Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 46 of Unmasked. I am your host, Neil Getzlow. As always, I just want to thank you so much for coming on this journey with me and for listening each and every week. I hope that uh, this show is bringing you encouragement. I know all of you are bringing encouragement to me by tuning in each week. So thank you for being here. Hey, and also Happy New Year to you. This is the first episode for the new year. I hope you had a chance to spend some time with your family to rest, recharge, and getting yourself ready for all the interesting twists and turns that I know 2023 is going to have in front of us going forward. If you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's episode, it was a devotional episode from Ephesians. And um, I'll encourage you to go back last week, listen to it. And as you start the new year, it sort of, well, just helps me think about how I plan to spend my time in the new year, whether I'm using my time wisely or am I using my time foolishly? And it was just a good mindset reminder for me as um, we sort of put in some new new habits and routines to start the year to get us um, positioned right, get our hearts and mind positioned right uh, with God at the beginning of 2023. And if you are a new listener to Unmasked, please go and check out neilgetzlow.com to learn more about my journey. And you can also check out my book, Unmasked, Conquering Sexual Sin and Walking in Victory. All right, so let's jump into today's episode. And today, uh, this is going to be an awesome episode, an awesome interview. I am joined by Anita Cordell. Anita is founder of the I Will Rise Project. And I Will Rise is a movement that's really encouraging all of us to rise up. It is a 501c3 charity making films to educate about social issues like human trafficking, homelessness, child abuse, marital abuse, and more. And it's really a it's a video platform that's used to encourage everybody to rise up and become passionate about passionate about ending these issues in our community. Now, Anita is also the director of the movie called "I Will Rise" that tells the story of Christine McDonald and how Christine escaped a life of sex trafficking, and how organizations like the Stop Trafficking Project, Human Trafficking Training Center, Relentless Pursuit out. Reach and Recovery and others are coming together to help save women like Christine who are trapped and are being trafficked every day across this country. And uh, we we talk about uh, how this movie came about, what it was like to make a long-form documentary for Anita. And this movie has already won several awards. It's been named Best Documentary twice at different film festivals, and Anita has also won Best Director twice. I had a chance to attend a screening of this movie a few weeks ago, and this one hit me hard because it's, well, as you know, my past and, and what I've been through. Um, yeah, I just I just highly encourage you to watch this movie when it's available for streaming later in January because it's it's really going to it's going to hit you hard and it's going to want to make you it's going to want to make you plug in, step up, and stand in the gaps. Uh, because there are people out there that are hurting that need our help uh, in around sex trafficking, and it's it's time for us to rise up. And so that's why I'm so excited to give you episode number 46 of Unmasked, Unmasking the Journey of Anita Cordell, and I Will Rise. Anita, thank you so much for coming on the Unmasked podcast this week. Uh, I truly appreciate your time, and I've been uh, looking forward to this conversation ever since I had the opportunity to see your documentary, I Will Rise. So I'm excited to get into all that. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here with you as well. 
Thank you. Um, well, Ben, before we get started, um, just would love for you to take just a couple of minutes just to introduce yourself, tell people what you do, what you're about, and um, <laughs> we'll, we'll start there. Okay. Yeah. I My name's Anita Cordell, and you referenced my documentary. I produced and uh, directed a documentary about trafficking here in the Midwest, and that was underneath of my umbrella uh, called I Will Rise, which is my nonprofit. And um, my full-time job is I'm a Kansas City licensed real estate agent. <laughs> and that still just is is um, gets me every time because I know how much the time it takes to be a real estate agent and how much time it takes to be to do what you do and produce movies and run a nonprofit. So uh, you have a lot going on in your world. So <laughs> uh, makes me even more appreciative of you taking a few minutes here to, uh, to talk today. Um, so, uh, and before we jump into I Will Rise, um, I always like to ask my guests, especially if they are um, come from the faith community, just just a, a quick story about your faith journey and and how you you came to know God. Yeah, well, I'm actually a pastor's kid, so oh, there you I, go. <laughs> <laughs> I guess is that an easy way out or something? Yeah, that's totally know. easy. No, yeah. no, no, no. Um, I I know no no other life other than being raised in um a family that was a, a church going family. My dad did not always have a church where he was a pastor over, but we always were in leadership positions and always had um, an element of the public eye watching us all, all through growing up. <laughs> no, you know, I, um, I have a lot of respect for, for people who grew up in the faith because you know, someone who just came, who came to faith very late in life, you know, um, I think it's, which, so I have a big story, a big messy story, right? That gets, you know, that makes it easy to talk about what, what God did in my life. But I think it's just as impressive to, to be obedient and to walk faithfully with God for your entire life too. So, so I love, I love learning that about people as well, because it brings me encouragement. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had my moments where I, uh, questioned and um went astray a little bit i guess if you will and made some decisions that revolutionized my life um and changed them th some things about my path for sure um but i haven't you know walked away or or um been in a been in a mindset where i I uh, didn't want faith to be a part of my life. And I just always have uh, tried to love Jesus and keep a pure heart. And sometimes we trip and fail and have to get back up again. Yeah, that's that's right. I think that's the one thing that I've learned. Like it, it doesn't um, doesn't give you a perfect life, uh, but it gives you a chance to um it gives you a chance to to fall down and pick yourself back up every day. So uh, I, I know I think that's what a lot of us do. Um, so let's let's talk about I will rise. Um, and you know on your on your website, you share an interesting story about really how how God spoke to you to sort of lean into this uh, project. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, 
before, let me back up before I even started my documentary back in 2010, um, I wanted to be a part of this competition and this competition was called the 168 film competition. It's a speed competition based out of Los Angeles. And prior to that, I had been doing a lot of commercial work and doing some independent filmmaking. And when I learned about 168, I knew in my heart that I was supposed to be a part of this big project. And basically, it's a, a speed competition where teams all across the globe put together a short film. It's It's been about 10 minutes, I think. And you have 168 hours to do it. So that means you've got to shoot it, edit it, put music to it, um, color it, and all the things and then send it off to the producers of this project and enter the competition. And for the most part, back in 2010, it was um, it was out of Los Angeles. And so most of the teams were in Los Angeles. There were a few sprinkled here and there across the states and a few globally, but most of them were in Los Angeles. And I thought to myself, I cannot afford to go to Los Angeles and go to their big audition and hope to get on a team and hope to, you know, get this experience. And I happen to actually be on the film set with one of the um, advocates for 168. She was my co-partner in, in, in acting in this project. And I was just sharing with her how I really wanted to be a part of this and be on a team and how I felt God just drawing me to that. She looked at me and said, Anita, you've been doing commercials now for several years. Why don't you produce um, and go back to Kansas City and produce one of the um, uh, produce be on a production team, like put together a team. And the first thing out of my mouth was, I can't do that. Like, I don't know how to do that. And she rebuttaled me and basically said, Anita, you know people in Kansas City that can help you go back and make some phone calls and see if you can make it happen. And that's what I did. I called um, a couple of the uh, directors that I had been in commercials with and sent them the link. And my very first short film was a speed competition <laughs> and we made it happen. And the second short film was a speed competition and we made it happen. But I say all that to say that most of the projects that I've done, um, that I've produced myself have dealt with a social issue of some sort. So I have this kind of bent towards Dealing with the heart cries of people, dealing with the pain of society, dealing with social issues that are out there that sometimes we often either don't want to talk about because we don't know enough about it, or we don't want to talk about it because we're scared um, or what have you. So my very first short film that I produced was about um, a lady dealing with substance abuse and and it seems like like the subjects that i deal with are are dealing with pain from human so whether it's trafficking or child abuse child grief i've dealt with um, marital abuse um substance abuse i mean like so 
fast forward. So I've been in this mode of creating stories and having this bent towards social issues and dealing with heart cries and pains. And um, when I started dealing with, you know, uh, my nonprofit, I was working with a director here in town. Um, we hadn't worked together on a project before. And so we just started sitting down and having coffee and developing a story. And at the time I was fostering, I had three long-term placements and I had three kids of my own. So I had six kids in my house at the time. And um, when you're a foster parent, you got you know, you go to these training classes and you go to conferences and you have connections of other foster parents. And I started learning about um, what was happening in many foster homes across the Midwest and even in the United States, and just about how these foster kids are putting into situations that were um, undeniably um, heart-wrenching because of of sexual abuse in the fostering home. And most foster parents are wonderful and absolutely great, but there are ones that slip through the cracks. And so I started developing a story about um, sexual abuse in foster care system because it's what I knew. And I started learning more and more and more about about sexual abuse and children and what was happening in America. And my mind was completely shattered and I, I got afraid. And then I started realizing that my story needed to be about trafficking. And that's when I developed my first short film about trafficking, which was um, called house mother. And when I, um, about a month before the cameras rolled, um, I felt God telling me um, to name it, I Will Rise. Um, I was at church and Chris Tomlin's I Will Rise song was being played by the worship team. And um, during this song, I was just worshiping. And all of a sudden, it's like my my ears were just shut off. And all I could hear was the words, I will rise over and over again. And he dropped into my spirit, name your nonprofit, I will rise and I will tell you why later. And about two days before the cameras rolled on that short film, House Mother, he dropped into my spirit. There were three different types of people that your films are going to affect. One is the um, people who have been hurt, who have been victims of some sort of, of abuse in whether that be drug abuse or child abuse or whatever, some kind of victimization, they're going to see your films and feel hope that there's people out there caring. And they're going to feel in their spirit that they can rise up out of their pain and get better and rise up out of their situation because there's people around them that help them. The second group of people are people who are contributing to the pain, whether that's abusers, drug dealers, traffickers, Johns, um, anybody that is contributing to the pain. Um, I believe God said that they would be um, at some point see my films and be convicted in their heart. And they would then be able to say, I will rise up out of this industry. I will rise up out of whatever I'm doing and make change in my own heart and not cause this pain anymore. And then the third group of people 
um, are the community members, um, church people, friends. They're going to come alongside me and see what I'm doing and want to help me and say in their hearts, I will rise up with Anita. And so I named my nonprofit, I Will Rise. It is a um, kind of an umbrella for all of the films that I do that pertain to social issues and causing pain in society um, to expose and educate the community at large on these social issues and what I'm doing. And so fast forward. I created um, my first feature film, which is the documentary. I named it I Will Rise um, to kind of launch everything and to get, you know, the word out there. And it happens to be on a very hard subject, which is human trafficking. Yeah. And and um, and I didn't know this until I just started, you know, looking at your your website a few weeks ago after I saw the I Will Rise. But you know, obviously, I fall into that second group of category that God was speaking to you about. Uh, but and I can tell you, even though I was already already out of it, uh, my heart was still convicted after seeing that movie. And especially, uh, there's a, a place in that movie where where Russ Tuttle is talking uh, from the Stop Trafficking Project, and Russ talks about, and he's directing this to men very specifically, and saying, if you're clicking on that pornography link you are contributing to sex trafficking, whether you want to admit it or not, that you are contributing to that. And like, as soon as he said that, it's it's just like, like every man needs to see this movie. Like, because I think it just brings so much awareness of of the evils of, of pornography and, and what happens, you know, to, to women who are sex trafficked. It's, um, it just opens your mind mm -hmm. to what's going on. Yeah, I'm so grateful to have met you. Um, you know, when we were doing the documentary, one of my desires was to have uh, a a former John, if you will. Um, I know yeah. you don't, that's not the greatest label. <laughs> it is what um, it is, right? Uh, yeah, um, just to interview and to see... Um, you know, to to capture some of the heart strings that, that the pain that you're going through as well. I mean, I'm sure it's not at all easy to, you know, recollect, you know, or uh, the, the choices that you've made. Um, but yet there's also healing in that with your story and and getting out there and being vocal about it. So I'm sure that that you have an opportunity and a platform to affect a lot of people yourself. Yeah. And I hope so. And, and you know, and the thing is, right. Like I, I do want, you know, and it's hard to be empathetic for, for a buyer. Right. But um, the, the crazy thing is right. The buyer can, is just, is, can be anybody. It can be your next door neighbor. Um, it can be the banker down the street. It doesn't matter who it is. So I want people to to see it with empathy, but I also want men who are impacted by this or who might be, you know, struggling with the pornography addiction that that we've got to take accountability for our actions. And yes, there, there's probably some pain involved in our life somewhere along the way that bumped us off course and got us to, into this sort of this this evil that we're dealing with. However, we're medicating that that pain through through these things that we're doing. But you, we got to stop pointing the finger at other people that got us here and start pointing the finger at ourselves. And, and that's where I, I, I hope this, I hope 
this documentary specifically can help men see that and and start taking accountability for their actions. Mm -hmm. um, um, so I'm, I'm curious how, you know, um, how you and Christine were able to, to get together and how did you land on Christine as the story that you would feature as part of this movie? Well, you know, at Addicts, it was, um, I started back in about 2016, I believe I went, I, that was kind of the year that, um, I, the house mother was being filmed and I was on this journey, this mode of learning. And so I started attending, uh, conference speaking engagements. And, uh, when I would see something out in the public, an event that was being, um, you know, advertised and, uh, you know, there would be a speaker who was a survivor here, or there was an event here and people started inviting me because they knew about the project. Um, I actually, I believe met her through another, a Russ Tuttle's employee named, uh, September. And, uh, I believe that that's how I actually got introduced to Christine. I went to an event where she was speaking at and, um, I introduced myself to her and, you know, we started connecting and talking on Facebook. And at the time, I had actually had an idea to do a documentary about human trafficking in the Midwest. So it was an idea that I had way back in 2016. And we actually and I asked her if she would be one of the people who I interviewed. And she said, yes, we actually shot um, a couple hour interview. And uh, through a chain of conversations, we just didn't feel like it was it was right timing. And um, there was some, you know, dialogue in there that that I don't think Christine was super comfortable with expressing. And uh, it just wasn't a great um, time for it. Well, so then I had this idea. Well, maybe I'm not supposed to do a documentary. Maybe I'm supposed to do her story in a feature length film. So um, I hired a screenwriter and we raised a little bit of money and we wrote the screenplay and worked on it for five years, I think, four years, something like that. And I've went all across America pitching it to investors and um, have come pretty close to having some people buy into the project. But nobody's pulled the trigger. Um, it's been a difficult road. And so I sat down with Isaac. Isaac is the cinematographer for I Will Rise. And I let him read the script. And I was like, this I know is on my heart. And I know I'm supposed to do something, but I don't know um, what's the the block. You know, like, why isn't there, you know, a release to to do this? Where's the help, you know? He read the script and said there's um you know, gave me some pointers and some changes he would make and we sat down and he said tell me your story so i shared with him how i met christine and how um i had originally wanted to do a documentary and the first interview just didn't go real well and i didn't have a great plan and he said anita he goes let's go back to the foundation of your whole entire idea. Let's do a documentary. I will, I will help you with this documentary. So 
I said, okay. And that's kind of how we went back to the very beginning, the roots of everything. Um, I pulled together an outline and got the people in involved that I wanted to interview. And the original outline had was completely different than the the actual ending documentary, believe it or not. I had wow. an outline. It was completely different. Um I had I had the storyline, you know, all, you know, it was more or less an information gathering uh documentary that was a lot different. Well, when we did all the interviews and we sat down with the the footage and we started pulling together topics, um, we realized that we needed to have uh, Christine's story as the arc versus just part of the actual piece, the puzzle. So we developed her arc based upon her interviews, and then we started putting everything in together um, around it, centering around it, and ending with my story that's kind of how it happened. And, uh, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this is the first time for you making sort of this long form movie. Was there anything, what was, I mean, what was the experience like? Obviously, you know, it, what you start, the direction you start going down maybe ends up a little bit differently. Was there anything else as part of the, the movie making process for you that was, was either easier or harder? Was it, you know, because of the story that you were trying to tell, was there any resistance to that? There wasn't any resistance as far as, um, you know, the storytelling and the making of it and getting information. Um, all of that seemed to be pretty good. And there were a lot of people wanting to help and be a part of it. So all of that was good. Um, the technical side of things we kept having some issues with uh, the first editor, all the footage just completely crashed his computer. He had to rebuild it twice. We sh uh, got the footage to another editor out of Los Angeles and that didn't work out. He just got way too busy. So we brought the footage back to Kansas City and through a chain of events, I am um, I met Alicia and she um, took on the editing job and was a massive help with it. So we went through, it took three editors to get it done. And um, just everything lined up, though, perfectly. And I gave them everybody a deadline when I wanted it done. And we got it done the day before. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was the technical side of things in in filmmaking that were probably a little more challenging than what I had hoped. And it took a little longer than what I had hoped, but um, everybody came along and, and, and now people are, are excited about my next project and what that's going to be. And then how I can continue to tell stories of social issues and pain. And so. What, so what's been the reaction to people after they've have seen, I will rise. What's the feedback you've been getting on the movie? Uh, feedback has been great. Um, in fact, I just found out the other day that I'm a finalist at, at another film festival. And so I've, I've won several awards already. I won Best Director Award twice. Um, and it's won Best Doctor Documentary twice. And so it's gotten other nominations and up for another nomination. So I, the feedback overall has been fantastic. Um, 
And I have a distributor now, so it's going to be distributed come January, which is a big, huge event. I mean, (laughs) you know, you as a filmmaker want to make a great film. And then when you have several distributors wanting to distribute it, that's kind of cool. And so um, it's it's definitely been so the feedback has been great. I'm now getting other uh, churches and organizations wanting to do their own screening. So um, hopefully come January, there will be multiple uh, lined up. I've already got some that are trying to work on their calendars um, to get to get a screening set in place. And I really like um, the screening type atmosphere, even though it's going to be out in Uh, the world of distribution, it's really nice to actually have public screenings as well, because people can actually physically talk to, um, you know, it it allows for more of an open conversation out in the public eye versus just watching it privately in your in your living room. And that open conversation, I think, is critical. I mean, you saw you were there and and you were even able to to talk to people um yeah. as well so yeah and that's you know and cuz just the reaction from from the audience and people it i think when people see that they want to do something right to help so that that you know so that's my question for you is you know what can what can people do to get involved mm-hmm. on this on this issue how can they play a role in it yeah um so my documentary features six different organizations, and um, and I think that the, that it will open people's eyes to how other people are combating it. And if somebody resonates with one of those ministries or organizations, then they can um, look that organization up and help. They can volunteer. Um, There is a drop-in center here in Kansas City. It's called the uh, uh, Reckless Pursuit and Outreach. I think Relentless Pursuit. Relentless relentless (laughs) Pursuit. I don't know why I have the hardest time remembering. RPOR drop-in center. And that's really close to actually where Christine used to work on the streets. But they provide showers and clothes and food for for people on the streets. So, you know, they ha- they take volunteers. There's that. Uh, you can always support my next project and, uh, you know, come alongside that. There's just a lot of different things that that the community at large can do. And it just takes one person to do one thing, you know, to move the move this forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I find it fascinating just the, the Kansas City connection to to all of this. Like, there's so many, like you said, there's six organizations that you feed, featured, and I think they're all local to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And the, the people that you talk to um, in in the documentary all have ties or are based in Kansas City. Like, it's just why is Kansas City such a you know a focal point? around is it just because we do have a we do have a big sex trafficking issue in this area obviously yeah well if you look at the highways we have i-70 that goes across america you know across a portion of america and then you have i-35 and then i-7 or i-29 um and so they contribute the that to being we're right in the heart of the united states where these big intersections and these you know highways come 
through. And so that could be one thing. Um, I, you know, I, I, and there's a lot of truckers that come through. Um, they, they say that there's uh, that industry that, that um, contributes some to it. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know that there's any one specific reason why Kansas City is spotlighted. There was a test done uh, multiple years back, and I think that test, if I recollect the numbers, we were like number 10 in the nation. Um, I don't know what those numbers are at this point. Was there anything that surprised you um, as far as researching this topic of things that just like, I just, I mean, I think, you know, being in the position that you were in, I think you had, you probably had, your eyes were probably more open to, to what was going on in the, in the sex trafficking business than maybe a, a lot of other people. But is there anything that surprised you as you were researching uh, for the documentary? So, uh, I think probably the bigger surprises were were initially on um, when I started researching my first short film that that house mother film. It was shocking to me because it could happen to anybody, like your next door neighbor. And I remember when I first learned about all of this. It was like I was living in this um, bubble and I thought, you know, I live in the suburbs, um, pretty safe streets. Kids are in a great school at the time. Uh, we went to a private school, but there was a nice public school down the, the street and it felt very safe. And I had no reason at all to believe that there was anything at all shady or unsafe in my environment. And the more that I learned and the more that I started researching and understanding trafficking, that bubble burst. And I remember that happening and I remember how afraid I was. And those pieces to that um, information just keep coming to me, I guess. And once you see something, you can't unsee it. Once you know something, you can't unknow it. And I think that was probably the the most shocking part of it is that being in a suburb does not mean that you are, um, you know, uh, safe from any of the the things that go on in the world of trafficking. It does not mean that you may not be affected by it. So that was probably the number one thing that shocked me the most. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of think the same thing as I, you know, learn more about sex trafficking and, and what's involved, I think, and in talking to you, talking to Russ Tuttle and talking to others, sort of this, I, I used to have this perception, like sex trafficking was the, you know, the, the black van driving around the neighborhoods, you know, waiting to pick up people off, you know, snatch people off the street corner, waiting for a bus or something. But really, it's because of the internet, because, you know, um, you're able to talk to talk to anybody online or through your phone. Like it's, it, it's not that it, it it's, um, yeah, that bubble is burst, right? Like it is, it's everybody's, uh, everybody's problem. Yeah. 
Yeah, I used to have that very same uh, thought where, you know, you you watch out for the white vans, you know, and I would even tell my kids, you know, if there's a van that comes up, be sure and, and watch out for it. And it, it it's not that case. And I also had the, the idea, the belief that that was the extreme situation, but most of the trafficking was over in like a third world country. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, I believed that it was all over in Africa or some other, you know, foreign country that, and it just didn't happen here in the United States, except for those extreme situations where the white van pulled up and, you know, so all of that knowledge and all of those um, facts um, really shocked me in the beginning. And another thing too, and Russ Tuttle in the, in the documentary talks about how that he goes out to these rural uh, cities that have, you know, less than 200 people in the city. And he goes into these schools that, that are, you know, that, that, that these cities feed into. And there are people that are in the the community that these young kids in these even tiny, tiny rural cities that are victims of trafficking. And when, when he, when I was interviewing him and he started sharing about the one story where the the young girl was a, a victim in this tiny rural city in Kansas, I I I was like I have to have that story in the documentary because it's so um, profound to know that that these stories are going to shock people and and that's the reason why I put it in there. Yeah, absolutely. So you um you kind of hinted at it earlier of of new projects coming up on the horizon that that tackle various social issues. And I know you've got a lot of work to do still with I will rise and getting that out to people to as many people as possible. Uh but do you do you have a, another project sort of that you're already um stirring Bernie. up and yeah. Yeah, um actually I've got I've got two right now. I'm just w- wondering which one to work on or I may be able to to do them both. Um one is dealing with uh social issues within the military. I've had um multiple people come forward and describe some of their challenges with uh what they've been facing whether it's recent or in in years past. Just some of the challenges that 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 uh they endure and that includes not just not just exiting from the military and coming into civilian life and some of the challenges of that but that also includes some of the the things that they endure emotionally um you know PTSD and um uh nightmares and what what it takes to get a service dog and just all those things so um that's kind of been churning and um i've had people come forward and say hey i i know i know of somebody that would be willing to to talk to you but then i also have um another story that's been brewing regarding um uh farmers in the midwest and some of the challenges that they face so yeah um those are all dealing with the the social issues social issues don't necessarily have to only be about abusive relationships they can be about what we are enduring as americans and socially how that's affecting 
our world. And so uh, I'm excited to see what's ahead. <laughs> and uh, if people want to support those projects, they can do it through I Will Rise Project. Yeah, you can go to IWillRiseProject.com um, or reach out to me if there's another way you would, if you don't want to, <laughs> if you don't want to uh, send anything through uh, yeah. the internet, you could certainly reach out to me. And, and and before we go, is it um, are you at liberty to say when I will rise will be um, distributed and how people can watch it? Um, uh, yeah, it should it should be out January, and I believe it's going to be on Amazon, uh, Roku, uh, Vudu, all kinds of platforms all across the globe. That's awesome. That's really cool. Well, I, I appreciate your time this evening, and uh, I, I do think this movie is going to uh, impact a lot. I think your ministry is going to impact a lot of people and help a lot of people. So um, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for, for being a great ambassador for the kingdom. Thank you. And maybe Chris Tomlin will come alongside me someday. <laughs> there you go. He needs to be on your soundtrack. <laughs> you know what? I, I did actually look into getting the rights to... Um, to have his song on my in my documentary and it was way out of my budget i because i had i don't know if you know this about music but you have to buy the rights to uh what you're doing so um they had like certain uh prices so i could buy the rights to only festival submissions and that was one price and if i were to um I was forward thinking saying, you know, I don't want this to just be in festivals. I want to be able to have it be distributed um, with a distributor. So I asked him about that price and that went way up. So yeah, um, the guy who did the music for I Will Rise uh, did it in such a beautiful way that gave me the feel that I wanted. I don't know if you noticed at the very end when I started talking about that, the music changed and he um, he gave it kind of that I will rise feel without getting me into trouble. Um, so he, he did an original score on, on that music so that I could have that kind of feel while I was talking about the story and the music without, without, um, me causing any issues. So, so I got to ask another question now before I wrap up here, because that just sort of the, the inner movie geek of me will, will come out here. Like, how important is that musical score to the you know to what you're trying to to share with an audience? Because yeah. that can that can change a whole the whole dynamic of a movie. Yeah. Well, I I mean, obviously, sound is very important when you're actually making a movie, but music is so vital in my opinion. It is very very vital. In fact, there's a lot of musicians or people who do an original score that really would like to be a part of the project early, early on if they can. And so they will maybe even read the script or if it's a documentary, they'll be a part of, you know, the outline or be a part of just the journey of the storytelling um, because they're emotion and what they bring to the table is a whole new character in and of itself and they need to know because the music is is what draws your emotion and your tie i mean there was dark music in in 
my documentary. And then there's happy music towards the end or hope filled music towards the end. And I think that when you're walking through a movie, music is so very vital to um, sealing the deal, I guess, or, or, or bringing up the heart of it into it. Uh, thank you again to Anita for being the guest this week. Uh, again, I encourage you to check out I Will Rise when it begins streaming on Amazon and other streaming platforms later this month. Please go check out this movie. Uh, like I shared during the interview, this this movie just it grabs your attention and almost wills you into finding a place to plug into and help. And I'll also put a link to the I Will Rise project in the show notes. You'll also be able to find some links to the previous episodes because all the people that are mentioned uh, and that are featured in I Will Rise, Christine McDonald, Russ Tuttle, V. Gibson, Allison Phillips, we've done interviews with them over the past several months. So I'll put links to all those interviews and you can kind of get catch up on the backstory of I Will Rise as you are um, getting ready to watch the documentary as it becomes available on streaming later this month. So thanks again to Anita. And hey, I, I invite you to come back next week. Uh, we're going to talk to my pastor, Pastor Philip O'Reilly from the Rock of KC, and we're going to talk about how he and his daughter were able to start Run to Stop It. You've heard me talk about that. Run to Stop It is an organization that is uh, raising funds that go to these organizations that I will rise uh, featured in the documentary. And uh, at the ground zero really is Kansas City and really is the Rock of KC. So we talk about Run to Stop It, how how it is making an impact in in going to slow the demand of, of human sex trafficking. And it's just, uh, Pastor Philip is, is a great individual. You're really going to enjoy that conversation next week. So I invite all of you to come back and tune in. All right. Hey, listen, thank you again for coming on this journey with me. I truly appreciate you listening each and every week. And remember, Jesus did not come to hang out with the saints and the righteous. He came to hang out with the sick, the sinners of the world, just like you and just like me. Have a great week, everybody.